Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Ah, Mr. Jackson. Welcome to Cloudlandia. Yes. Cloudlandia is a surprise. Cloudlandia is a surprising place. It is. It's always full of surprises. I saw a funny meme this morning. It was a picture of a poster that said, vote for Rick Astley. He'll never. And then it had check boxes for give you up, let you go, let you down, tell a lie. Vote for Rick (laughs) Astley. Here's what he'll never do. But he is a whiner. Yes, that's right. He'll be telling you every day, never let you go, never let you down. And after a while, it just gets boring. You want to leave him and you want to let him down and leave him that behind. I'd love to hear like a, uh, a psychologist break that kind of why You're right. There are a lot of ways. I'd never do that to you. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a form of manipulation where you you protest that you would never do the thing to someone else that you're actually doing to them. <laughs> yes, exactly. A little less. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. There's a, the list, actually do, do the li- do the listeners to this podcast do they hear the music? No, they do not. It's just oh, so we, be- we better give them a was, we better give them. A, yeah, my so them I background. A, so I have a pro account of our conference line that we have, and one of the perks of that is you can set your own hold music while people are dialing in. If you're the if they're the first one to dial in, they'll hear music until the second till the host joins the, the party. You've got it set up for the Rick Ask never gonna give you up song. So that's why Dan and I always joke about if we're the first one on, it's the it reminded that I'm I'm never gonna let you down, never gonna give you up. But we do so check funny. the box for each other. We do check the box for each other. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We so always this show is up. A, I've been thinking more about, I saw that that Russell Barkley ADHD video again. And, you know, this, our situation here checks all the boxes of what it's AD, you know, compliant in that we have an external structure set up in our calendar that is, there's no thinking involved. I know that at the appointed hour, that you're going to be here, I'm going to be here, and we never miss unless prearranged. I mean, unless we there's something that is going on. And I was realizing how, you know, my whole, the way I approach my calendar and the way that I approach my desire stuff, I always feel like I, I need lots of space, lots of like, mm-hmm. I want to keep my calendar free of time commitments and obligations, but it's the more and more I look at it, I realize that the, it's the thing that's the only things that get done are the things that are externally out, you know, scheduled and, and happen, you know, to contrast that, like I look at your approach to your time, to your Mm -hmm. calendar, you're booked an entire year out, a rolling year, you know, Mm -hmm. exactly. There's very little discretionary well there is discretionary time built lots of that built in but the majority mm-hmm. of the things are are there and that's to me the more i look into it one of the key attributes of applying yourself <laughs> is getting <laughs> applied into the real world and your calendar is the evidence. 
Well, the key to applying yourself is to get things that apply you. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. And, you know, in my world, things apply me. You know, I've got deadlines yeah. where I've committed or obligated, depending on the nature of the topic, to other yeah. people. And my reputation, be. Uh, yeah, my reputation, you know, is based on me following through on my commitments and obligations. Yeah. And uh, you may be on a streak, Dan, that might be unrivaled in terms of the your even just your small books now. You're over 30 <laughs> small books. 34. Wonder, 34. Yeah. I wonder how many people have kept up a pace like that. You know, you're coming up on pretty soon it's going to be 10 years of that, eight years so yeah. far of yeah. a book every quarter with no quarters missed. Yeah, when we get to 40, it'll be 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, and which so, will yeah, be some closer to 40. the end of next year. I think it's the end of next year or somewhere 2024. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's it's not only a structure for me, but it's a structure for nine other people. I immediately interact with the various uh, team members who have a part in the mm-hmm. book, audio, video, printing, you know, writing, yeah. editing, interviewing, and yeah. uh, and it just moves forward. Everybody expects it, and then there's a distribution system when the books go out to coach clients, and uh, yeah, and uh, three of those books popped up and became major market books with Ben Hardy right. as the collaborator yeah. in Hay House and. Tucker Max as collaborators on it. And that was a surprise to me. I mean, I wasn't writing the books for that purpose. But uh, now that I know that can happen, it is something I keep in mind when I'm writing the book, you know, is what I'm is saying. This one here. got the potential, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, if you're consciously lucky after a while, you consciously do everything that's going to make you even luckier in the future. Oh, that's true. That yeah. is so, yeah, that's so funny. That, I think and, luck is a skill. I think, I think lucky is something that happens to you. But if you're conscious at all, you say, now, why did this, you know, why am I lucky and other people aren't lucky? And you said, well, you know, I was there early. I was prepared, you know. I was cooperative in the situation, you know, and I supported other people. And you begin to see that luck actually is, is, it seems like a big thing, but it's broken down into a whole number of behavioral. um, Yeah, we just, I'm down in in Delray Beach again this weekend. Luba and I just had dinner with Mark Lachance and Sonia last night and so he's written a book called The Lucky Formula, and that's his mm-hmm. whole. That's part of his whole thing. It's yeah, luck like that. But how mm-hmm. was your? How was Free Zone this week? You were in yeah. Chicago. You had yeah. workshops. Yeah, it was great. And I so I'm doing something this quarter I hadn't done before. Speaking of the small books, when I start, this could be a Zoom session or it could be an in-person session. I I put the cover picture of the latest book up on the screen and then okay. I and then I bring out a concept for the latest book and so so the book I'm writing right now 
<clears throat> well, the book that just came out is Capitalism Dash and Everything Else. Yeah. And then I I've taken capitalism and I said capitalism is a methodology that consists of five growth stages. The first is pricing, you know, and knowing how to price yourself in the marketplace and getting better at it. And then that your creativity over time creates intellectual property. So property and allows you to buy other kinds of property. And then you become more productive, getting things done faster, easier, cheaper, and producing a bigger result. And then things become more profitable as your revenues and income increase, you keep more of it as profit. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to indulge yourself and those around you in prosperity. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> But it's a flywheel. So when you're finished one round, one capitalist project, then you rinse, you relather, and you do it again with another project. Uh, and really successful entrepreneurs have flywheels that are the five Ps, pricing, yeah. property, productivity, profitability, prosperity. They have many different fly, flywheels. If you think about mm -hmm. your eight eight profit, each of uh -huh. them has a flywheel inside of it, a five-stage mm -hmm. growth process. Yeah. Anyway, so I then I asked them, well, what's the best you've done in each of the five? And what would be a next improvement with each of the five? And so they do that. And I said, now pick three that you have the biggest response to. You've written down two for each of the five. So you got 10 things written down, pick three of them. And then we put them into a triple play where how are these two connected to each other? Then you write down the connections and then you have a breakout session where people talk about this. And then you, then you have a general discussion when people come back from the breakouts, whether it's in person or Zoom. And then I say, okay, now let's go a step higher. Let's take your connections, the three connections, and connect the connections. And that's where the real breakthroughs happen. People just say, oh, my God, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so with the free zone, I'm usually ahead of the rest of the, you know, the program. So with free zone, I'm putting out the most advanced stuff. So I wrote down on the whiteboard, this is on Tuesday in Chicago, I put down mm -hmm. on the whiteboard, the, your future is guessing and betting. Okay, your future mm. is all guessing and betting. That's okay. so true. And, and then I put down, well, first of all, I just talked about that. Everybody talks about, oh, the future can be predicted and the big data now is predicting the future and artificial intelligence is predicting the future. And I said, no, somebody's making a guess that big data will predict the future and they're betting yeah, on it. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. I mean, and the reason is that if big data predicted the future, everybody who's using big data would be successful. But I had a discussion with someone, and he says, you know, big data is going to predict the future for us. And I said, well, do you remember when Brexit happened? It caught everybody by surprise. <laughs> what about Trump? What about yeah. Trump? I remember 7 o'clock at night, 
and a bunch of happy news media were saying the New York Times. That was Times still the funniest said, thing. I still me. watch that. I still watch uh, the, there's like uh, these compilations that go for about yeah. an hour. And I, I said, it's just really interesting to watch the transformation downward to people who thought this was in the bag, you know. Oh, yeah. Seven o'clock, they're predicting who Hillary will have in her cabinet. And what's her, going yeah, to, yeah. her first yeah. hundred days and her moves. Yeah. And, what does history um, tell us? What does history yeah. tell us about what kind of president she's going to be? And, you know, fans are saying, well, this is going to be one of the most remarkable presidency. These next four years are going to be some of the most surprisingly unpredictable four years. And I said, well, well, that turned the next that, four that hours are going to be that, that turned out to be true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then COVID, you know, COVID, I didn't see any. Big Nobody data predictable. So, so, you know, and what I'm saying is that the people who are creating big data systems are guessing yeah. and predicting, and we all mm-hmm. do that. You know, so then funny, under- though, there's always, in, in looking back, there always is somebody who was predicting yeah. these things. Somebody was predicting a global pandemic being a problem. If you look, you had a film of a broken clock 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. But nobody was right. It was right twice. Nobody was betting on it. (laughs) It was right, yeah. Things only make logical sense looking backwards. Nothing makes logical sense looking forward. And, you know. Yeah, what was that? There was somebody, I think it was, they would say about Harry Dent that he correctly predicted 17 of the last three downturns. Yeah. <laughs> Al Gore, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, that's yeah, inconvenient. All the, yeah, all the, this would be in the 1990, or when, when did he become famous? It would have been 2000, Boy, around 2000, because yeah. yeah. he became famous for something negative in 2000. Yeah. Anyway, but then around three or four years, he licked his wounds when he went out, and then he became a prophet of the climate. He became a yeah. climate prophet, you know, and then he was talking about how the Himalayas would be without snow by 2020, and that didn't true. The Rockies actually had more snow than in the history, the written history of the Rockies. They had like 600 mm-hmm. feet, accumulated feet of snow. That's 50 feet, 50 feet of accumulated snow. So they're expecting massive floods on the westward side of the Rockies, which is California, you know, California and Nevada and others, other folks are going to get a wet summer. Anyway, so, so anyway, I put that, and then we talked about that. And then I just put down on the board, the three geometry rules. So the title of the current book is geometry, and that's in quotation marks. Geometry for staying calm and cool. Cool and calm, staying cool and calm. And there's three rules, and we've talked about this on a previous podcast. I love podcast. the three rules. But the three are? rules are, yeah, go nope. ahead. One, everything is made up. Yeah, everything's made up. Number two, nobody's in charge. Right. And number three, nothing is fair. Light. Life's not fair. Life isn't fair. Life is not yeah, fair. Life. Yeah, life's not fair. So yeah, I those are those great. Up. And so this was, you know, we had about 50. We had 50 coach uh-huh. clients for the free zone. 
And boy, did the room go crazy. I mean, the room went crazy for a solid hour. And people said, uh-huh. you know, I, when I hear those rules and I put them together with each other, I feel freed up. I feel, I said, yeah, but I can find you a person out in the general world who, if they heard the three rules, it would make them feel even worse than they're feeling right now. Well, you know, we were just talking this morning, Lupa and I, the, you know, there's this week, you know, Biden announced their new housing fairness program that's going to give you know, home buyers with lower credit scores, better, more favorable terms on mortgages than people with high credit scores to make it more well, that, fair. That, that sounds profoundly unfair to me. Exactly. But in the, in the all thing, it's funny that the intention is to make it more fair for the people with lower credit scores. Yeah. Which it's so it's, yeah. it's just, it just yeah. seems so crazy, you know? Yeah. And well, they did that before the prime, the subprime loan thing. And yes. it was with Fannie Mae, the two big lending, the, the guaranteed. Yeah, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Yeah, Freddie Mac and Fannie. And, but what they did is that they could no longer turn down loans. And what they broke it out was postal zones, that you had postal zones. Mm-hmm. Postal zones had credit ratings. In other words, most uh, of the people, most of the people live in this postal zone, you uh, know, are subs. They're sub positive as someone you'd want to lend money to if you lived in this right. postal zone, you know. Yes. And prime. Yeah, <laughs> they are subprime. We will give subprime loans to subprime borrowers, and uh-huh. uh, and and that's what. And then it and. What it did, it took all the risk out of lending because it was backed up by the government. And then they could take the loans and they could tranche them. There's an interesting word, yeah. tranche. Uh, like T-R-A-T-A-R-U-N. Hey, Dean, sure. Dean, why don't we sharpen our knives tonight? And tomorrow, let's just get together and just spend the whole day tranching. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Tranche means to cut up an investment into 30 parts and then mm-hmm. take other investments and then mix it all together and put a number of what the value is and send it out around yes. the world with no following paper paperwork that indicates what's what. And that's right. what really happened. Yeah. <clears throat> so you had, you know, you had single mothers who worked in a casino in Las Vegas and they had three kids who owned five houses. Okay. That was the, that was the, I'm trying to think of the, you know, Suri really tries, I got to give her this. She really tries to be useful, but she is. And anyway, and the, uh, who is that guy who wrote the book? The big, what was it? The big, the big hit or the big short. Yeah. The big short, big short. short. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody was playing a Ponzi scheme, you know. I mean, it was a global Ponzi scheme. Right. Like you should. Yeah. And then it all collapsed, you know. And uh, But the U.S. was the worst of it. You know, I mean, the U.S. banking system was absolutely the worst on this. And the companies and everything. Everybody wanted to get in the feeding frenzy. And then, mm. yeah, I mean, the feeding frenzies are good until... Until you're the food. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that whole... Uh, yeah, I was thinking about your those words of guessing and betting. 
And it's funny, but that it reminds me of like hedge funds and what the capital allocators are doing at the highest levels, right? Guessing yeah. and betting. And that's yeah. and they're guessing right based on, you know, really better insight, better interpretation, I guess. Yeah. Well, and we all do it. It's human. The only way we as humans can deal with our individual experience as individuals is to guess and bet. You get up in the morning and you've made a guess and somewhat of a bet on what today is going to be. And then you, at the end of the day, if you do some evaluation, you say, you know, I bet on this today, but it's not a good, I can tell it's not a good bet for tomorrow. And then you change your bet for tomorrow, but you're guessing, you know, and that's what yeah. the human brain does. It's a guessing and betting mechanism. Uh-huh. And it's constantly yeah. shifting. Yeah. That's what uh-huh. makes life so delightfully unpredictable. So how, what was the, the idea then of what do you do with this? Uh, well, then I said, I had a, I put together an exercise, which is called best guesses and bets. And I had, the you know the free zoners yeah. I had them just brainstorm the best guesses that they have made you know going back mm-hmm. as far as they want to go they can pick the last mm-hmm. they can pick they can pick their career or everything but put down your best guesses yeah yeah and then pick three and then pick three of them and explain why that was a really good guess example mm-hmm. you know my lifetime partnership with Babs was a good guess yeah. And and I put it down. It's also a great bet, you know. Yeah, it's a great bet. But what I what you end up with, you brainstorm guesses, pick three, and then you get brainstorm bets, pick three. And for variety's sake, if you one of them is a guess, don't put it down as a bet, so that you get a variety yeah. of the. And then you pick six out of the six, you know, the six final contestants. Yeah. And you're thinking you pick three of them and then you do a triple play, triple play exercise on it. And boy, it's an exercise that goes forever because the conversations are so amazing on it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you know, it's really, from I, my I standpoint, the little books now are starting to become active players in yeah. the next quarter's next round of workshops. So I was very pleased with the result at the end of the because not only did I do the book that's just out, the capitalism yeah. and everything else, but I'm doing the new book, Geometry for Staying Cool and Calm. Yes. Now, isn't that interesting? This whole, yeah. you, you know, I, I think back in 1999, I was going through a process of I was deciding, okay, what would I like to invest in. I don't want to, I don't want to become a stock trader or a picker or anything like that. I was started thinking about what would be, you know, 25 year decisions. If I could make, could I make 25 year decision to invest in something that you don't need to think about over the next things? I went through a process of, you know, thinking I found it really interesting that in order to think that way, I had to think what companies that are around today are going to be here in 25 years if I'm to bet, right? And my 
I see where your idea of guessing and betting. So I started, I was guessing, thinking, okay, if I could have well, guessing anybody. Guessing is brainstorming, you know, guessing. Yes, is I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I started brainstorming and thinking, if I could have anybody manage my money, what I would love, I would bet on Warren Buffett. <laughs> Yeah. And I, so I thought, right, enough. I said, because I'm not going to learn how to do that. So he does it better than anybody. And so I bought some two A shares of Berkshire Hathaway and, with, and put that, you know, as a sort of thing, you know. Then I started thinking, okay, what company is going to be here 25? I could have any, if I could own any company. And I started thinking about Procter and Gamble as a you mm-hmm. know a collection of tides not going anywhere and all the yeah. you know, they've been in business since eighteen fifty four and they've you know had the number one brands in so many categories that that's going to yeah. continue for well the, the interesting thing there was an article in yesterday's Wall Street Journal on how in spite of the fact that P&G has raised its prices in all product categories. Sales are increasing. That's how much of a yeah. uh, good bet it is. Right. And so that was my second. I only picked three stocks. That was the other one. And then I thought about a growth stock that I wanted to have there. And at the time, my thought was Starbucks because they had such a simple model, more stores, more money. Totally, you know, even if they overexpanded, they could easily track because it's all made up of individual outposts that the more outposts they have, the better they're going to be in 19. And they're not franchises. No, that's exactly right. Uh, Yeah. With one exception, with one exception, Magic Johnson has. Magic ah, Johnson. He's the only one who's got franchises. That's right. So that he's been a, my third. He's, uh, he's been a good guess. He's been a good guess and bet. Yeah, and that, so that was my third pick. But what I, you know, missed out on at that point from the Vista of 1999. If you look now, those have been really great picks, by the way, over the, oh, yeah. the period yeah. of time. But the what I missed out on, you know, it, it, making that decision in 1999 with that branch of money, <laughs> that capital allocation then was, you know, I didn't, I didn't bet on Amazon. I didn't bet on Google. I didn't bet on, on, well, Facebook wasn't even around at that point, but you know, missed out on that. Apple was the other one. And so you look at it from looking backwards in 1999, the three to pick would have been if you picked Amazon, Google, and Apple, that would have been, you know, equally great. But you couldn't. The view forward wasn't as certain in no, my mind. It was a guess. It was a guess because Google had. Yeah, and yet. interestingly, of the three, Warren Buffett himself has only bet on Apple. That's the only that's one right. he bet on. Yeah. yeah. And um, only recently, I mean, that's actually the only technology. That's the only technology stock that he's actually bet on. He says, first of all, he says, I understand the company. 
You know, he says, if, right. I, if I don't understand the industry and I don't understand the company, he says, you know, he said, I don't have any basis for making a bet because I just don't understand it. But there are blue chips, you know, of all the technology stocks, Apple is the blue chip, the blue chip stock. It's got yeah. market dominance in many areas. Yeah. Okay. And they have built in profitability because they're the highest. Yeah, you know, whatever they come out with are the most profitable yeah, in the field. Brand. Better. Yeah, they're pre- a premium. Yeah. And those check his boxes for, first of all, just noticing them in the first place and then actually betting on them. Well, he's actually the reason that I made those choices that I made. He said something that was really interesting. Like he doesn't bet on technology because he can't see who's going to be the clear winner. Yeah, five years from now, even. Yeah, I mean said, that I would know. be especially that would be especially true with the new chat, you know, the AI, yeah. the GP, GPT. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, instantly, there's a million competitors out there that are doing something, and you yeah. don't see where the assembly into a giant is going to be. You just can't. I mean, Google was caught by surprise, totally yeah. by you know, and. So there's nothing to bet on, actually. Yeah. But Warren said of the technology, I don't know who's going to be the clear winner, but he said, I know that 25 years from now, men are going to go to bed and they're going to wake up with whiskers and that King Gillette is going to be there to help them solve that problem (laughs) in the morning. (laughs) Like he has been since the 1800s. (laughs) And I know that men, people are going to love hamburgers, and they're going to walk and wash them down with a Coca-Cola. It's not going out of style, you know? Yeah, and I know things are going to still be transported by railroad. I know that. Right, uh, yeah. You know, and I know oil and gas. I know oil and gas are still going to be good bets, you know? Yeah. And it's really, it's a funny thing when you really take the vista from 25 years in the future, some future point, that you have to really connect that through line and that helps you make those decisions. This is a very big, simple idea. Almost seems like so simple that it seems obvious, but it's profound when you really think about the implications of it and you really practice it. You start to think, okay, what am I guessing that's going to happen in this particular, you know, especially when you think about it as brainstorming, like you said, but when you narrow your focus to a particular, you know, thing, when you narrow your focus, Mm -hmm. start looking at something there, what do I, what am I guessing? is going to be true about this in, you know, this is kind of similar to my Florida migration project and working on of that. I'm guessing based on everything I see that over the next 10 years, Florida is a good, it's growing. There's, we're growing by 1500 people a day right now. And that's projected mm-hmm. to continue through the next 10 years to well, a little less than that now, because when I first started thinking about this, it was 2021. But by 2030, that's the path that it's projected to, along with the uh, you know most predictable march demographically 
in the history of the world was the is the baby boomers inevitably marching their way into retirement, you know, and the leading baby boomers now are 58 years old. And no, are the, the, the youngest, the, the youngest of yeah. boomers are 59. Yeah, 58 or That's 59. what I meant. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, the lagging. Yeah. So, well, and the other mm-hmm. thing that makes it makes inflation predictable, I would say, for at least the next mm-hmm. 10 years. And the reason mm-hmm. is that on yeah, mass over about a 20 year period, the highest level of systematic, systematic skills in the American economy are leaving the marketplace right now over a mm-hmm. 20 year period. And, yeah. uh, you know, it started happening in uh, 2000 and probably 2010. It started, the boomers were starting to retire. And it'll go on for another six years or so. That that mm-hmm. huge phalanx. There's a word I haven't used on a podcast. That's phalanx. Yeah. Of, fifty points. Uh, fifty bonus points. That's a big word. Yeah. For uh, first person to say phalanx, yes, yeah. and and knows that it's you know that it's a military term. Anyway, but you have this massive about people who have what I call implicit knowledge of how things get done. Implicit are things that can't be written down in a rule book, but the rules have been worked out with massive amount of experience and teamwork over a whole number of years. And the place where it's showing up most is in transportation, especially airline travel. You know, there's just a lot of people who are, are newbies in the airline industry, and they don't know the complexities you know, I mean, it's uniquely susceptible to weather. I mean, airlines more than any other transportation system is uniquely susceptible to weather and, you know, and uh, government rules and, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, none of the freight trains stopped during the lockdown. None of the, you know, none of the, you know, I mean, the boats from overseas got locked down because they couldn't bring their stuff ashore, but they still made the voyages. But airlines just—if you don't have any passengers, that's a disincentive for taking off. Yeah, yeah. That I just heard a podcast in the last six months by someone who's starting a new, you know, airline model to create supersonic flight again to make supersonic airplanes that, like the Concorde, to bring that back into the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, and that's well, kind it's of a, a, it's a guess. It is a guess, right? Yeah, that people are going to want to. That people are going to want. Yeah, I don't to, know uh, who's going to want to do it, but because right. by necessity, by necessity, the cabin has to be cramped, small mm-hmm. and cramped, you know, because the heat difference. Well, you said what they've yeah. been able to overcome with that is through advances in in materials and stuff to make it a little more comfortable, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, neither of the airlines that, well, the only two planes that really developed was the Tupolev, which was a Russian version of the Concorde. And uh-huh. uh, out of the, I think out of the, I think they only made six of them. And out of the six, I think three of them crashed in the first 12 months with oh my fully loaded with passengers 
And that's a disincentive, you know, that that would be a disincentive for me. You got a 50 yeah. 50% chance of getting killed on your well, first fight. No. Yeah, that's I don't like bad. Those are bad betting odds. Those are bad betting yeah. odds, you know. And yeah. the and then the Concorde, which was a French, it was a European project, British, French, and some other companies, and it never made any money. It was, you know, it was a white elephant right from the beginning, and yeah. and uh, you know, and so and the other thing is that you get apparently you get twice the jet lag from traveling that fast than you do taking a normal flight. So if it's you can go right. to, yeah, I mean, it takes, you know, a flight to London, yeah. you leave at, if you're doing it overnight, you leave here at seven and you get to London at seven. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's five hour time difference. It's a five hour time differential. So it took you mm-hmm. seven hours to get there. Basically, you know, you're going to get basically a five or six day jet lag out of that. Unless you take counteractions, I mean, there's all sorts of counteractions that you can take personally yes. to do that. And uh, you know, and but getting to London in three hours, you know, you know, I, th- I think the, it's a it's a big whack on your system. And uh, you know, you know, I bet there. I mean, hey, look, you know, if somebody's guessing and somebody's going to bet, and hey, go for it. And what was your? I'm interested to hear your thought about the betting. You know, so that this is really because you're actually the only uh, you know the only way to have a guess really pay off is to the proportion that you're willing to bet on it. Yeah, you can. There's no prize for being for guessing right without a bet. Yeah. No, yeah. guessing is a poss. A guess is a possibility. A bet is a right. commitment. You know. Uh, it's a bit like bacon and eggs for the chicken. It's simply a form of it's just simply a form of involvement for the pig. It's a yeah. total commitment. <laughs> right, right. Oh you know? man, that's, and that's so a funny. Diff- that's between yeah. The chicken is guessing. Well, I can you know I can risk one of I can risk an egg. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know. But for the pig, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, what part of me doesn't come back, you know? And, and that's so funny. And, yeah, but the I think that the it allows you to really evaluate things like the you know like the new art of AI thing. It's a guess that this is going to be bigger and bigger in the future, but it's yeah. not clear who specifically will be the winners. You know, mm-hmm. on many different fronts. I mean, this right. is going to cause cause big economic change. I agree with mm-hmm. that. It is, but it's hard to pinpoint specifically what the changes are that you could bet on or not bet on. You know, it's that's uh, where I've been going in my mind as I you know I was I just saw the headlines today looking up some stuff how Amazon and the headlines are Amazon flooded with Kindle chat GPT books. Like there's a new, there's a wave of books that are now being <laughs> uploaded into Amazon because everybody now empowered with their ability to have ChatGPT write book is, uh, and that's kind of like the leading thing that all the ChatGPT opportunists, low-hanging fruit are betting on. <laughs> hey, you can get 
ChatGPT to write these books and they'll sell. But I, you know, I, I, my concern, as I've expressed in previous conversations, is that this exponential output capability for content is being fed into a decidedly fixed capacity to consume it. That's yeah. no, that's not keeping up. And I don't know what that means yet. Well, there's no expansion. There's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, if you look at the beginning of the, well, let's go back in Cyrus McCormick. Yeah. Cyrus McCormick's invention couldn't have happened in Europe because there was no cheap land yeah. and there was no freely available it was lacking three things. It was lacking a location in Europe. Like, you know, I mean, France has wheat fields. You know, France France produces wheat and Spain produces wheat. But there was no, there was no cheap land on which to do it. Number two mm-hmm. is that chemically there was no easy money to finance it. And number three, there was no, uh, there was no available labor to take advantage of the situation. Whereas in doing it in, you know, let's see, 1840s, I think it was in Cyrus McCormick, 1840s. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 1840s, every 10 years, there were two or three new states that had flat land, you know, right. that's, and, and wheat's the easiest food on yeah. the planet. The prairies, as, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you plant it and you harvest it. There, there's right. no, you know, the, no there's no, yeah, not no in between. And therefore, if you cut the cut, I mean, if you just extraordinarily cut the cost of harvesting it, which the reaper does, and it just explodes. Plus, you had an overabundance of free, low cost money, free, low cost land, free, low-cost labor. I mean, you had three free, abundant resources that you could take advantage. Plus, it was being done within the framework of the Mississippi River Valley System, which is the greatest usable water system in the world. The navigable water in the world, river water, is the Mississippi Valley. I mean, the Mississippi isn't even the longest of the rivers. Right. The Missouri goes into it. So you had all these pluses. I mean, Warren Buffett would have bet on that. <laughs> right, right, right. And you think about that leverage. Right? 25, like years from now, are people go- 25 years from now, are people going to be consuming wheat? Are we is it going to be a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, there was nothing yeah. that. But not only that, but I'm sure that there were other competing inventions with Cyrus McCormick, but he thought it back so that everybody was a winner. Everybody was a winner. The farmer was a winner. The markets were a winner. The labor markets were a winner. The banks were a winner. Everybody Mm -hmm. won, you know, everybody won. And that was the thing, the big, you know, the big thing at the World's Fair, he was able to you know, have one farmer beat the work of 14 men. And yeah. that's a, you know, that's a pretty good demonstration of a better idea. Yeah. Uh, that, what a capacity multiplier, you know? And then the free idea of 
give me the money from the harvest was such a revolution, you know? Yeah. My mind, I'm just, I'm very excited about, you know, my, my next, my journal sessions coming up this week, brainstorming and betting. I think yeah. that's... Well, guessing and I betting, think, I mean, first of all, yeah. I mean, it emphasizes your insight, you know, it really reinforces your insight that you feel free to brainstorm because, in yes. fact, you're not betting. You're not betting on anything that you're writing down. Okay, right. And I think that, that so it's. I just one of my next quarterly books, you know, is guessing and guessing and betting, and uh, uh-huh. guesses and bets. Guesses and bets. It's called. But anyway, that's that accounts for a hundred percent of the future. You're right. Guesses and, and bets because with, part uh, of the future. Because part of the future is people saying all sorts of guesses with the mm-hmm. hope that somebody will bet on their guess. Yes. I mean, I do that every day. I do that every yeah. day. You do that every day. I'm always yeah. making guesses about what I think is going to work in the future. Mm-hmm. And what I'm asking you to do is to bet money to see if that's true. <laughs> you know what's so funny is to me, I just had this insight that guessing is like, you know, imagining if, and betting is applying yourself. I mean, that's really, <laughs> the, that's really what it yeah. is. The two, that's the two sides of the, you know, I think I've been sharing with you the equation that, you know, seeing, breaking, parsing down the words of imagine if you applied yourself, that those and if are definitely yeah guessing, right? That's brainstorming and thinking about what could possibly be. And then it's got to go through the filter of you and it's got to get approval from the committee that's going on inside your head, which is steadfastly committed to, you know, the basic things of, you know, staying alive and recreating and eating all the calories and avoiding pain seeking pleasure and conserving energy. Everything yeah. has to be filtered through that committee to get into yeah. applied in order to get approved to actually do anything. But it's the application of your self, your sphere, energy, mm-hmm. leadership, and finances. It's placing those bets on what are you going to do about it? What are you going to invest in about it? What are you going to how are you going to place that bet that can pay off in the future? Very fascinating, Dan. Well, here's the thing. We just had a real moment over the last month, let's say now, of the vice president of a major brand of beer making a guess, okay? Oh, my goodness, yes. And then bet on it, and then bet on it. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking. I was talking to a bunch of girls who got very angry. You know, they were very angry about the whole thing. And I said, "Yeah, but look at from her standpoint. She guessed that the world is going woke, and that applies. Mm-hmm. You know, that applies to all products and all brands. I'm going to mm-hmm. just get out there and be in front of this. You know, and I'm 39 years old, and I'm the VP of marketing for one of the brands and I have aspirations to move up. You know, I have the aspirations to move up from where I am and you know, and so I'm gonna bet that 
putting a, a person, controversial person in the cultural world right now on a can of beer, that's going to be a big payoff. I, I'll move the brand. And she certainly mm. did. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Six billion, six billion losses so far. That was a minus $6 billion bet. <laughs> Unbelievable. I yeah. didn't realize the measurement of it when it happened. That's wild. Yeah. But one of the reasons is that there are certain things that people want certain kind of permanence in. And that's their guess. And it's interesting. I was reading the article, and it was the fact that there, and this article had deeper research than I've ever seen before, but it was a thing that in the world today, there are 5,500 companies that have lasted continuously more than 500 years, which I think is How many neat. companies? 5,500. Wow, but I didn't there were that many. 3,500 are in Japan, okay? And okay. it has to do with all sorts of cultural, political, economic factors that are peculiar to Japan, not going into it right now. But the interesting thing about it is that in Japan, the 3,500, two-thirds of them are related to alcohol in some way. Okay, so it's either oh, a brewery, okay. a distill, a brewery, and... You know, they yeah. they have rice as one of their alcoholic, you know, ingredients. Sake is a big ingredient. Yeah. And they have, they make fruit wines, all kinds of fruit wines. So there's a wide variety. Japan has quite a wide spectrum of different kinds of beers, liquors, wines. And, but two thirds of them are alcohol related. And so yeah. I was saying, why alcohol related? And I said, well, alcohol is probably the most emotional of drugs, okay? And what I mean by that is, first of all, it's the most communal of drugs. You know, you don't get together and have a wild pot party. <laughs> wild, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't have a really rambunctious tailgate party with opioids. Right, 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 right. See, most of the drugs put you into your world, allowing you to feel good about being completely isolated and alone. Most yeah. of the drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of reward you for for disconnecting and dropping out. But alcohol is mm. the one that you do if you want to feel closer. And you, you want to feel closer. You want to feel more communal. Yeah. It's got a lot of romance tied to it. It's got yeah. a lot of babies are created out of uh -huh. alcoholic moments. So social lubricant, yeah. right. Yeah, and it's easier to sell things if people are, you know, are slightly inebriated and everything else. So my feeling is that she didn't realize that she was tampering with something that has great emotional and cultural force, okay? And uh, she was going to change the entire context of what a, you know, a low alcohol beverage was going to meet. And she got her market results. You know, she got some mm -hmm. feedback. She's taken a leave of absence from the company. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that true? I didn't realize that. Wow. It was announced yeah. on Friday. And they're bringing in a big hitter to take over the VP of all marketing for Anheuser-Busch worldwide is taking over okay. that brand. So they're okay. pulling in, they're pulling in a, you know, somebody with 
So they're going to have to, you know, going to have to adjust their thinking about who their customers are and who their marketplace is, you know. So, wow. you know, but it was fun, fun to watch it, not, you know, I'm not involved in the product at all. I'm not involved in the brand mm-hmm. at all. And, but I was just watching that she made a guess and she made a bet. Yeah. And it was a bad guess yeah. and it turned out to be a disastrous bet. And I said, well, that's what you get. That's what you get from a bad guess and a bad bet. Right. Yeah, wild. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, not for nothing. It's, it, you know, it's a different environment to make that kind of bet when you're in a big corporate environment compared to as in an entrepreneurial organization where you're, yeah. you're the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, is- I mean, I mean, but it's interesting that you can have all sorts of very interesting discussions about world affairs, current world of you no know, trends and everything just from the standpoint of guesses and bets. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, that's, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it like that, but the first thing that came to my mind was the my discussion with myself in 1999, making yep. those investment decisions. And, you know, and realize that now, 20 years felt like that's a long way away in 1999. But here we are, you know, 24 years later. And I see those, those were good. Those were good bets. Yeah. yeah. The one um, thing is the, and we can one of the, you know, any one of these topics up on the next podcast. But when you think, I'm seeing a lot of silliness in the media about how the U.S. is about to lose its reserve currency for the dollar. That's all over uh, now. Yeah, all over the news now. Everybody's worried about uh, that. Yeah. And what they don't realize is that these period are a guess and a bet. Okay. Yes. So uh-huh. you say why we might favor the American currency over other currencies. Okay. And the one being put forward is a unity, united effort on the part of China and Russia to create an alternative currency. And they're getting yeah. out, outstanding advanced thinking countries like Iran and Saudi Arabia. And uh, and Brazil and all yeah. North Korea, North of course North Korea is going to be part of it and everything like that. And Cuba probably Cuba will probably join in. Yeah. And I said so. In other words, you think that economics tied to totalitarian countries where every bad right. thing can happen to people is a good reserve currency that we can really bet yeah. on this in the future. We can really bet on this in the future. You know. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, together, those countries have a military capability that's not equal to America's carrier fleet, you know, like just... Salvation uh, Army. That's somebody... Yeah, yeah. That's the <laughs> Army. They're, they're not... They, they don't even have... They don't even have the firepower of the Salvation Army. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. All right. Well, this was a great one. This is a great one today. Yeah, I think we... Absolutely. I think we hit... I believe, I think we've introduced a secret go-to sauce, guessing mm-hmm. and betting. I'm doubling down. I'm guessing yep. that this is going to be a, a very fertile discussion, yeah. and I'm yeah. going to bet on that this week and yep. come prepared next week with even some bets from my guessing. You bet. I love it. Thanks, Dan. I always enjoy it. Thank you. Bye.
Okay, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.